Welcome into episode 22 of the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes, and guess what? The Bears won. The Bears are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Well, that's probably what you're saying if you're Steve Wilkes. You're probably saying we let the Bears off the hook. We didn't have to let the Bears off the hook, but we did. The Bears won an ugly 16-14 to game. Defensively, it wasn't that ugly, except for what happened in the first quarter when they gave up 14 points. And you had guys running free. Like That was the thing that was so disappointing about that, is that you had guys running free. And the Bears' defense adjusted, and they figured out, oh, that's Sam Bradford, and Sam Bradford is terrible. And once they did that, it was like, okay, maybe now we can turn things over and get something going for the the quarterback of the team, which is going to be a huge part of this podcast today. We are going to have a long conversation about Mitchell Trubisky, which is, you know, what we're probably going to do on most weeks that we talk about the Bears. And I'm going to get to it. But before I do, let me remind you that we are happy to have the Chicago Wolves being a sponsor of the podcast and glad that they are on board with House of L. I thank them quite a bit for jumping on board. Their season is going to start on the road on October 5th. Okay? But... The home opener is going to be October 13th versus the Grand Rapid Griffins. That's at All-State Arena. They always put on a great pregame show. They got fireworks. They got pyro. They got skates. The mascot. All that good stuff. It's a great time. It's a really inexpensive way to enjoy hockey. And if you live... Up by the airport, if you're in the Rosemont area on the north northwest side, it's real easy to get to in the northern suburbs. Just go over there, have a good time. ChicagoWolves.com. I, I promise you, you're going to see high-level hockey. It's funny because in a couple of weeks, and I'm trying to decide which, which way I'm going to do this. I already have recorded interviews with Jim Rose and John Weidman. And I, John was talking about how good hockey is in the AHL. It's a really great conversation. I, I can't wait for you to hear it. So maybe I'll release that one first, even though I did it second. Um, there's also another big name guest who's going to join the House of L podcast. Um, and I'm going to be in a producer's role. And that's how we got the the interview. So I get to produce my own podcast, which I'm not going to be doing the interviewing, but I'm actually really excited about it anyway. That's neither here nor there. But back to John, who was talking about how great hockey is in the AHL. And if you want to see for yourself, you can go check out the Chicago Wolves. And again, they start up on October 13th at home. The actual season begins on October 5th. It's their 25th anniversary ChicagoWolves.com is the way that you can go and check out 
the games. Go get yourself some tickets. And we talked about last week. I think there's going to be a superhero night on December 29th. And I am so down for that. So thanks again to the Chicago Wolves for being a part of it. They support me. I hope that you go out and support them. I got a good picture of one of their giant helmets on State Street. I'm going to put that on my Instagram at Lawrence W. Holmes. All right. Back to the quarterback. Ooh, boy. Mitchell Trubisky in Sunday's game against Arizona. 24-35. It's not terrible. 220 yards. Got sacked three times. He did throw an interception. A passer rating of 73.5. Everyone, whenever I brought up his passer rating and how it was the same as Mike Glennon's, I got a lot of side-eye stuff from people. But 15 games now we've seen from Mitch Trubisky. 15, so almost a full season. Although the pros usually talk about 20. That's when they feel like you're not a rookie anymore when you play in your 20th game. But he will be dressed for his 20th game next week against Tampa Bay. And the career numbers are, he's on them. Like what he's done so far in his career is statistically indicative of who he has been. And what's scary is with the other young quarterbacks, and I'm not going to count Josh Rosen because that was a, bizarre circumstance for him to come into a game and start his NFL career. It was a ballsy move by Steve Wilkes. I'll tell you that. I I was wondering, I didn't want to say it out loud while we were watching the game. You think he goes to Rosen here? But the fact that they went to him, my goodness, Sam Bradford is terrible. He's just terrible. But Trubisky has got to be better. We, we are not seeing a good version of Mitchell Trubisky, and we haven't seen it yet. I, I don't even know if there's enough moments, and that's what I'm saying about like some of the other young quarterbacks. Alex Brown said to me, you know, Mahomes is a different dude. Like, he just might be a different guy. Because now we're talking about him doing legendary stuff and not just he's good for a rookie type stuff. He's doing better than Peyton Manning type stuff right now. And it just looks so easy for him. And for Mitch, it looks really difficult. Some of the throws, some of the decision-making, it's bizarre. Um, And I don't think that it's been good. And I feel like anyone who tells you that Mitch Trubisky is going to be fine is wishing it. Uh, other, uh, even other than Nagy. I mean, those guys have got to say that. But anyone who tells you, oh, well, you know, he's just learning and everything's going to be okay. I think that they're just wishing that he'd be okay. I was looking at some stuff today while we were watching the game. Um, I came up with a hypothesis. Now, then later on, I found out that someone has already tested this hypothesis. So maybe Dan Durkin and I need to get together and, and write a, a, a theory paper. But I got to tell you, 
Mitchell Trubisky, if you're watching the games, watch him throw to his left. Because I think that's where he struggles, is throwing to his left. He doesn't seem to see the field whenever he comes across his body. I think that he struggles. So pay attention to it. There's actually some statistical analysis to back up the hypothesis. Dan Durkin of The Athletic wrote about it. And I had Christopher Komka over at NBC Sports Chicago pull up the next-gen stats from NFL.com. And each game, you know, starting with his first game, if you look at his numbers throwing intermediate to deep on the left side, they're atrocious. And even short on the left side, he hasn't been great. So I think that that's a weakness in his game, and maybe it's something that he ends up correcting. But overall, when you look at his his performance so far, it's been, I think that it's fair to say now, it's been disappointing. That doesn't mean that Mitch can't be a good quarterback, although I'm starting to get worried. But if you think, if you thought that by now he would still look like this and you would be okay with that, I would tell you that you're lying to me. And I get the the idea of it's a different system. He's got to learn all the ropes. He's got to learn, you know, where to look. What frustrated me about the game against Arizona is him not recognizing where to go with the ball when blitzes are coming his way. And in most cases, these were blitzes that were in front of his face. This was guys that were coming down and lining up on the line of scrimmage. And Mitch didn't do a great job of going hot and then rec- you know recognizing what was happening, going hot and throwing the ball down the field. Or just dumping it off. Like that that ball that got tipped and then got intercepted. The, the throw is right in front of Mitch. And yes, those were two really good plays to make it happen. But you've got to be better. You've got to get the ball out a little bit quicker. You've got to figure out different angles to throw the ball so that you don't put it in peril. And he just continues to do it. And I listened to the post game, and it's a lot of the same stuff. Like he's, I don't know if Mitch is an interesting guy when he's not playing football. But I know that he is a cliche machine. <laughs> cliche machine. He's a cliche machine when he's at the podium and talks about, you know, I can't make mistakes like that. We'll get it corrected. We got to go take a look at the film. I'm harder on myself than anyone else can be. All this stuff. And we still don't see, I think, the the growth that you were hoping to see. Now, it's not linear. And I do, I do want to caution people that I don't think that it's linear. But my goodness, it, it almost looks like he's just the same player 
And maybe you could argue that last year he looked more promising than he does this year. A lot of it, I think, is wrapped up in hope that you you hope that Mitchell Trubisky is good. Instead of really dissecting the way that he's played. And there were some moments, like he had a couple of moments to, today. They were like, oh, all right, you know, make a good throw or you you run out of there. He he ran the ball today a few times. Had a, you know, seven-yard scramble. It's fine, whatever. But he's taking sacks that he doesn't need to take that maybe push them closer to out-of-field goal range. And that's why we saw Parkey you know, miss a field goal. He's making throws. I'm still trying to figure out how the the Cardinals didn't intercept that ball that he threw over the middle. You know, they got their hands on it, but I guess Robinson and the defender got tangled up and he couldn't come up with the throw. But some of those throws are just not not very good. I was talking with a colleague. I'm not gonna out them. Because I don't think they want this opinion out there with their name attached to it. But I was talking to a colleague who said that they think that Nagy has a sense of the limitations of Mitchell Trubisky. And that's why we're seeing a lot of screens and smoke routes and, you know, all, all the really short passing stuff. And when you look at his deep ball percentage, it's atrocious. I added this supposition to my colleague, which was maybe Fox knew. Maybe after looking at Mitchell Trubisky in the offseason last year, that they had a sense that he wasn't quite ready. And that's why you saw the clink, clink handcuffs be put on Mitch last year with the offense. Maybe John Fox, a defensive coach, looked at him and goes, you know what? If I were going up against the Bears, this guy doesn't scare me. So how do I try and mitigate the damage that he might do? Okay, we'll just run this kind of rudimentary offense. And everyone else kind of, myself included, thought, oh, well, Fox is holding Mitchell back. If we look at this kind of hypothesis on whether or not Trubisky is any good and, and look at it through that lens, maybe maybe it'll give us a better understanding of how we should judge him going forward. It It's nothing concrete. It's just... It was an interesting conversation that I thought that I would key you in on. But it just seems to me like you're at this point seeing a quarterback who's not quite there. And if the reason that he's not quite there is because he only played 13 games, like I'm so tired of hearing it. If And this is why I'm tired of hearing it. If he's a project, then why did you draft him? If he's a project, then why in the world would you trade picks to get him and then play him? Like, I I go back to the Mike Glennon thing, and I've asked people a couple of times on the air, 
if you think that Ryan Pace can scout quarterbacks, what is your evidence for that? And if you were getting geeked about Mitchell Trubisky because the Bears drafted him and Ryan Pace was like, this is my guy, a few months before, he was saying that his guy was Mike Glennon. I know what you're saying. No, he didn't, Lawrence. He basically said that this guy was a bridge quarterback. Okay, let's go with that. Let's go with your thought that, that he only said that he's a bridge quarterback. He couldn't even do the bridge. Glennon was so bad that they had to force Trubisky onto the field. And they gave him $19 million. Ryan Pace thought he would be good enough to bridge the gap. And that bridge was four games. And it probably wasn't enough time for Mitchell Trubisky to get himself acclimated. But in the process of us watching the 15 games that Mitch has played. Tell me when you've been impressed and when, when and where he compares to other guys. And then there are people who say, well, that's not fair. You shouldn't compare him to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had a year to sit in Nagy's system. Right. And when I tried to tell you that it might not be the best thing for Trubisky to play last year, People bit my head off for that. They absolutely bit my head off for for me worrying about negative reinforcement and negative development. Because it's possible that a guy is told, you know, don't don't take chances, don't let the game get away from you. We'll run the ball and we'll get out of here. And that becomes learned activity. At this point, Trubisky has played more games as a pro than he did as a college guy. And and again, if he's such a project that you have to continue to give him time to develop through two seasons because of a limited catalog of playing experience in college, then you probably shouldn't have drafted him at number two. And you definitely shouldn't have traded picks to move up one spot to draft him at number two. You know what? I've already spent so much time on Mitch. I I know this is going to be a thing that we focus on a lot, but let me talk about the defense. I thought the defense balled out after the second quarter. To hold any NFL team to 14 points is great. You have the touchdown. The second touchdown is with a short field. They That first series, Sam Bradford just did whatever he wanted to do, and that, that can't happen. But they bounced back so nicely. And Khalil Mack, I was talking with Alex and, and Lance and Matt about this. The stuff that Khalil Mack is doing I hope that we don't become so accustomed to it that we don't talk about how amazing it is. Khalil Mack had five tackles, two sacks, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. Again, filling up the stat sheet. And it's clear that his pressure and the the type of allocation of resources that has to go to stopping Khalil Mack allows for Akeem Hicks to get one-on-ones and Akeem Hicks balled out again. 
he had a sack. He had three quarterback hits, and he forced a fumble. And on one of those plays, on the sack, Khalil Mack is getting triple teamed. So you're talking tackle, tight end, running back, and he ran through them all. He is a force, and I truly hope that we don't get tired and act like, ho-hum, it's no big deal. He's just better than everyone that's on the field. There was something a lot of people reacted to via Twitter, and that was Khalil Mack dropping back into coverage. And I completely understand people being miffed by that. I, I do think that he's better suited. I know that you have to switch it up. You can't just let, but it's weird to see him out in coverage and, and then your team doesn't get as much pressure. But the defensive guys, I thought, played really, really well. Eddie Jackson with an interception. How, how about Sherrick McManus? He's been getting, if you haven't been paying attention, he's getting a couple reps on defense. And, you know, Prince of Mukamara gets hurt, which is why you have to, you have to put Sherrick McManus out there. I mean, they went deep into their cornerback roster today because Marcus Cooper was hurt too. So Tolliver ended up playing. But Sherrick McManus went out there and made a play on defense. He's late in his career and he's getting you know, reps on the defense, and he he looks really comfortable doing it. For the most part, the whole defense played really well. Roquan Smith had a tackle for loss. Isn't it amazing that we have stopped caring about Roquan Smith? <laughs> that Khalil Mack has come along and, and everything that's going on with Trubisky in it. Khalil Mack has been so great for everyone on this team. But for Roquan Smith, the pressure is completely off. It's completely off. And he can just do his thing and develop in peace. But he has a tackle for loss. Trevathan with the fumble recovery in the game. It's, it's just fun to see. Kyle Fuller broke up pass today. McManus with an interception. It, it three interceptions for the Bears, along with a, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. They need all of that stuff to win sixteen to fourteen. Remind you of any other Bears Arizona Cardinals game that you've seen in the desert? It so it wasn't completely that, but the defense and the special teams was able to hold down the fort. And they were came back and won. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, like offensively. But I do give them credit. I thought that this would be the type of week where Jordan Howard would only get like 12 touches from the way Nagy was talking. And he ends up getting 24 carries. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Matt Forte made a really interesting observation today. And it was how the Bears need to stick with inside zone runs because they're better at blocking it. And I'd have to dig a little bit deeper, but I think that's because the interior of their line is better than the exterior. I think guard to guard, they're pretty strong. 
and the tackles are not as strong. So he would like to see more of them, you know, using that to their advantage and not running as much stuff outside because it it doesn't look right and it, it doesn't it doesn't net as many yards as what they're doing on inside runs. But I give Jordan Howard, you know, he's out there doing his thing and he had two more targets and he caught them both. So he keeps catching passes that are thrown to him, which which is a very which is a positive thing. And you start looking at, well, who does Mitch target? Taylor Gabriel had 10 targets and only and six catches on those 10 targets. They had no receiver that had more than 55 yards. And the leader was Trey Burton with 55 yards. No throwing touchdowns in this game for them. He spread the ball around. Let's see. Here's one. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys who caught passes. But there weren't many passes where you felt like, oh, you know, it's there's the long one to Robinson, the 39-yarder to Robinson, and the 25-yarder to Burton. But there were also passes. You know what? You know what? I'm not going to do this. I was talking about the defense. We'd already had our Mitch conversation. And I'm I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it up to you. I'm going to leave it up to you. I'm excited to see next week's game. And maybe the best thing about today, I haven't even talked about this. Minnesota and Green Bay don't look scary. There are years when those two teams have looked scary. And now the Bears are sitting on top of the division. That shouldn't get lost in our conversation about the quarterback. That right now they have control. Yeah, it's only week three, but you've got control. The Lions, I'm, as I'm recording this, the Lions just beat New England. But in the NFC North, you're in control. All you have to do is keep winning games. And it might mean that the Bears have to sacrifice some development, some Mitchell Trubisky development to try and win games. But when you bring in Khalil Mack, you're making a statement about what what you want to be and what you want to be is champion. Do y'all get as mad as I do when you watch Patrick Mahomes highlights? Like I'm I'm sitting in the basement now. White Panther's been gone all weekend. I thought I was gonna live it up this weekend too. And I really didn't. I mean I went out, I had fun but, you know, like in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, she's not here. I'm going to stay out till four in the morning. That was not the case. Although I stayed out late at the WGN party last night because Jen Lyons, who's the who was the news director there, she's moved on and gotten another job. She's just a delightful woman who really has a lot of vision. And she she moved on and there was a big party and like everybody was there. And it was cool. It was cool to hang out with like Rich King and shout out to my man, Mike Lowe from Channel 9, because he told me, um, humble brag here for just a minute. He told me that he was the sports intern that followed me 
when I interned, I interned at, at GNTV from like 97 to 99 and I got promoted to producer, but he said that when he came in, they were like, yeah, you're replacing the best sports intern ever. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Anyway, it was a good time, but no, White Panther just got back a couple hours ago from her trip to DC. I'm very happy to see her. Um, so I'm going to go hang out with her. All right. Bears win 16-14. And they're on top. It doesn't feel as good, does it? <laughs> they're they're on top of the division, but you're like, oh, this is questionable. Am I right? Maybe I'm not. Anyway, if you want to send an email our way, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com, whether it's about one of the Bears episodes or if you want to, uh, any of the interview episodes. And thanks again to Chicago Wolves for partnering with us here on the podcast. ChicagoWolves.com. October 5th, they start the season. October 13th, they will be at home against Grand Rapids. So go check them out. And again, thank you to them for jumping on and being a part of this. For those of you who listen via iTunes, give us a five-star rating like Booker T. And and tell a friend, subscribe. It costs you nothing. We're not going to... As long as we have great partners to work with, like the Chicago Wolves and Melly Cafe, we're going to keep this, your subscription free. You know, I just want to get stuff out there and have people enjoy it. And so far, it's been good. It's been like a really comfortable mix of success from a financial standpoint, along with interaction with people who actually download it. So... We're on Google Play Music now. We're on iTunes, and we hit the top 100 on iTunes, which I thought was dope. It was like my favorite thing that's happened career-wise this year. We're now on Stitcher, obviously the direct downloads on Libsyn, wherever you can find podcasts, Spotify, like we're kind of there. And I thank you for the support of listening to my meanderings about all sorts of stuff. I'll be on the score all week this week from 6 to 6.30. So it's the last week of the baseball season, at least the regular season. So all week the shows are 6 to 6.30. Hang out with me. I'll have more and we can go back and forth on some of this stuff. But Bears win in there in first place, even though it kind of doesn't feel like it. There'll be a new episode with an interview on Thursday. I guess it'll be John Weidman. I think that's what we'll do. I think that's what we'll do. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.